we have a... Uh, it's always hilarious on Easter because, you know, we, my wife and I travel really around the world. And, and so, you know, these churches, it's like, I, you know, I mean, dude, there's going to be some riots in some cities. I got pastors trying to do a helicopter drop with eggs. You don't really top that unless you find a real Easter bunny that's just alive and talks and preaches. You know what I mean? Like, if you, I mean, how do you even go, what do you even do? Like, you just can't. It's ridiculous how some people are with Easter. But uh, my son's had like 50 egg hunts. I don't know how to tell him it's not normal. But it'll do. If you're able, turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to share with you this morning. Um, and that will be the, kind of the foundation scripture this morning. But I want to share a message with you this morning called Useless Faith. Useless faith. And I want to read from uh, somebody's alarm going off. I want to read from 1 Corinthians. If you got it, say got it. And we're going to read beginning. First Corinthians 15, beginning at verse. 13, and it says this, it says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and our faith is also empty. Another version says that your faith is useless, it's futile. You know, like I said, Resurrection Sunday is a crazy, a crazy time for so many people, um, you know, and, and it's so interesting because, you know, don't say Easter, say resurrection. You know, pastors probably get a little crazy on Easter. It wasn't until the church started growing, did I, believe it or not, even do Easter messages. Um, for me, I feel like, you know, the, the, the understanding of God's resurrection and power is really something that's every single day, right? We can't really live life without the resurrection. And Paul says that, that if the resurrection of the dead didn't happen, then we would have useless faith. You know, I think about, you know, it's interesting because Luke chapter 8, I have a friend of mine who's going to have 30,000 people down south in the stadium. His church is maybe 2,000. And it's like, oh, man, all these people are coming. What do I do? I want them to like me. What do I say? You know, people, like, go so overboard on Easter and, and really, if we're not careful, we're going to miss the main thing. You know, Jesus had, in Luke chapter 9, he had, the, you know, the largest crowds he's ever had. And, and all the crowds came, and Jesus and, and the disciples who knew the Lord are looking at him, and they're like, man, what are all these people going to think? Here's your moment. This is your crowd. You know, here, you know here's the people. What are you going to say? Man, Jesus opens up and he's like, you know, there was a sower who scattered seed. And he's just talking like nobody even knew what he was saying. Like if there was ever a moment to clearly communicate a message to a crowd, Jesus like whiffed seemingly. And, and the disciples there, so well, some had seed and they scattered and some seed fell on the rocky soil and some seed fell on the ground and was, you know, and was, you know, just was plucked out and some, you know, fell by the wayside. And he's starting to speak in these parables. And in Luke chapter 8, the disciples are like, bro, 
what in the world did you just do? You had a moment to capture a crowd, like these pastors feel like they do on Easter. And he's like, you didn't even, I don't even understand what you said. And it's interesting because in verse 9 of Luke chapter 8, the Lord responds. Because the disciples are like, what does this even mean? You had a crowd. You had an opportunity to say something powerful. And you started talking about a parable of a sower. And then when Jesus is done, he said, oh, some fell away among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and it choked it. But others fell on good ground that came up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And then the Lord says this at the end of it. Because nobody knows what he's saying. And Jesus goes, oh, yeah, if you have an ear, let him hear. What? And the disciples say in verse 9, what are you even talking about? And Jesus goes, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to the rest it's in parables. Basically, the Lord says, so they don't understand. What? He's preaching to a multitude, and the Lord is like, I don't want them. You know, because you know me, but this crowd, I don't even want them to understand. What in the world? He's saying, look, I'm a farmer. Basically, I got the most ghetto mini pack of sunflower seeds all there. He said, basically, there's many different types of people. There's some people that are all across New England this morning. It doesn't matter what I could do to them. It's just going to bounce off of them. It doesn't matter what you do. I could, listen, I could come up here and fly in the roof. You know what I mean? It's not going to matter. Nothing, there's just nothing is going to happen. There's nothing anyone is going to do to change your life. It's just seeds that just bounce off. I mean, Jesus is telling you this. We are trying to like, oh, man, I want everyone to like me. I want, you know, what am I going to do? People are here. It's Easter. Jesus has the biggest crowd. He's like, they're not even going to understand me, and I don't want them to. And then it said some fell, and come on now, you eat a, you eat a, little, you eat a little seed. It tastes good for a minute, and then you're like, oh, this hurts. This, I don't even like this. It tasted good for a moment, but I don't even really like it. And the thing is, look, the bottom line is nobody here, I'm, there's nobody in this place or watching online from around the world that is wondering who Jesus is. Stop. Stop. This isn't the 1800s, and this isn't an unreached people group. We're in America. You've heard it. You might not have heard it truthfully. You might have seen some busted versions, but you know. I was 16 years old, messed up on drugs, and I walked into a Cutler Street apartment in Groton. Man, I've been around the world to millions and millions of people. I was high out of my mind, and I thought I was sleeping, and a mother looked at me in the middle of the night. <laughs> I didn't even know she was in her own living room. I just decided to stay there because I didn't want to walk to Branford Manor. And, and, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and she looked at me, and she goes, I got a question to ask you. And I'm like, I'm thinking, you're even here? She had a Bible on her lap big enough to choke a moose. Like, I don't even think they sell them, and if you have one, I'd totally make fun of you. It's like big dog turn, like who reads this? Like, you got to look with your eyes and be like, John, the word's this big. 
And she looked at me and she said, I just want to ask you a question. I'm like, really? Right now? It was like 11.45 at night. I was done. Then I was thinking, I should just leave and walk. I wasn't going to stay in my friend's room because his room smelled and he didn't pick up his clothes and it just smelled like dead potato and dirty feet. So I'm like, who? Nobody don't sleep in your house, bro. So I'm sitting on the couch and she said to me, what I want to ask you is this. Do you know who Jesus is? That's it. Nobody ever asked me that question. And the truth is I didn't have a clue. But I said to her, of course I do. Everybody knows who he is. I didn't know. You know who I thought Jesus was? The Iwana bus picked us up to Groton, and they bring me down to their program, and they kicked me out of their church. I stole stuff from the pastor. I, I was mean to kids. So when she said, do you know who Jesus was? I said, sure I do. They kicked me out of my, the church. I can't even go back. He know, I know who he is. But the truth is I didn't have a clue who he was. Because we can have an understanding of what we think it is. And then we can have truth. Let me tell you something. We weren't meant to live anywhere in this life without an encounter with God. There's not a smoke machine, a camel. There ain't an egg big enough that can be laid in this room for you to care. Some people. Because if you don't meet him and have an encounter, it's pointless. And Paul said, look, without the resurrection, there's no Christ. And without the resurrection, your faith is useless. There's no point to it. Paul said, he was describing to Timothy people in the end times, Christians that would go nuts. You think he's talking about people that don't know. No, he's talking about Christians. And he goes, look, this goes on, this goes on, this goes on, this goes on. And be careful of those people. Because they're always hearing and never coming to the faith. It's in 2 Timothy 3. And then he says, and they have a form of godliness, but deny the power. And he said, from these people, don't even just turn away. Why? Because don't, don't reduce what we do to a, a, a coloring book. Or one day a year, it's not even who we are. And if we don't understand that power in our lives, then it's useless faith. I don't know how to go. Friends, I promise you. But I find myself around the world, I've almost been to 100 nations. Seen millions of lives transformed. And this is where we are. In New London. And I'll tell you this. I don't golf. Minister friends of mine do. So somebody I know bought me like the coolest clubs ever. Like I think I beat PGA pros with my golf set. Like I have every single one, even the 60 degree angle. I got all the hoods. The, I even got the weird bulldog for the driver. Everything's leather. Got the travel case for my Callaways. Like I promise. I'm like, I'm like I win. You know what I mean? And then I had another friend who was like, man, you need shoes. So he bought me the coolest little Nike shoes to golf. And another friend was like, yo, you need the golf shirt with the shorts. And I'm like, please, just the glove. I mean, in the hat, I got the, the Callaway hat with the visor because the bald head looks real mean when I'm on the court. Let me tell you something. Let me tell, bro, I look fresh. You hear what I'm saying? There ain't person in here who's going to look better than me at golf. And fat people are successful at golf. I'm in. I'm in. So I had a buddy of mine, no, true story. He's like, hey, we're going to San Diego. I want to go to this multi, you know, one multi-billion dollar course in PGA, and I'll, I'll pay for you. It's like $3,000. He's like, you're going to cut, you got all your stuff. I'm like, oh, please, of course, I got my stuff. This is what I do. He said, you guys have court, please, I'll just, it's going to fly with all my gear. And he said, you meet me here, and this, and, and, and I said, I got everything. Don't even, you got your clothes. I said, I got everything. So I dress up basically in a costume like I'm in Halloween, 
and I, I look like <laughs> jacked up fat Tiger Woods knockoff, but I look fresh. I mean, I promise you I look fresh. My shoes are like, it's all white, and then they got the brown off the middle, like the old school cleats, you know? So I come walking out of the car. Dude, you would have been scared. You would have been like, dude, I'm not playing golf with him. You follow him? I, ch- I, I size people up. I know if you're serious or not. Dude, you would look at me and be like, wow. Like, you probably would ask for my autograph. Like, that kind of, like, who, like, yo, like, who are you sponsored by? And I got out the car. It didn't even dawn on me that I had to play golf. <laughs> I got out the car. I'm like, what's up, guys? I mean, I had the little pencil here. I, had, I mean, I was like, the little, little rag off to wipe whatever I wipe with a rag. And I'm like, hey, what's up, guys? You, you ready? You ready? Hey, what's up? I'm just like, and, and he's paying my way, and I'm excited. And, and the only thing I, I ask is that we don't walk. I mean, Lord Jesus, I don't want to start, you know, chafing up in here. This is ridiculous. I, put me on a cart. You hear what I'm saying? And, I, and, and so we go, and he goes, here's what you got to do. We, we got to go practice. Practice? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I come warmed up. You follow what I'm saying? I come ready to go. Somebody call a vet because these puppies are sick. You hear what I'm saying? And he said, no, we have to. No, I mean, this cost me $3,000 for you to I said, of course, I'll, I'll practice. It didn't even dawn on me. I had to play. So I'm, 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 my goal is to look bad so I can play it off as I'm having a bad moment. You know what I mean? Like everyone has an off game. I just wanted to fake it like I had an off game. And it started when I pulled the club out the back. So nobody taught me the game of golf. I fooled everybody up until game time. And I had to watch what they're doing. Oh, what number are you using? He has his driver. Dude, I'm, I'm full. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got a ton of these clubs. <laughs> Which one are you using? We're, we're at the driving range. It's the one club. And I'm like, oh, you doing the big head one? I'm just trying to make it my own names. Like I've been golfing, like I created golf. Oh, you got the big head. I can pull out the big head. You know what I mean? I had the dog head on. So I pull it out. I put the tee, and I'm trying to, these guys are standing up. It's like flying. I'm like, ha, ha, yeah, it's good work. I'm thinking, I hope I don't have to bend over this many times. I didn't know what I was doing. I put the club there. I was like, shh, Man, I gutted the grass. The ball didn't move. The tee flew. I swung around and looked. I was like, whoa. Whoa, that was a rough grass. And they quickly knew, like, bro, have you ever golfed? I was like, that bitch been a while. I live in Connecticut. Nobody golfs all year round. I just forgot. You know what I mean? The problem is the Bible warns us of having a form of godliness, trying to act like you know what's going on, but when it comes down to it, there's no power in your life and Jesus isn't moving. I've been on a quest my whole life to answer the question, who is Jesus? And let me tell you something. I realized quickly he wasn't what other people told me he was because I had to read in the Bible and I just said, man, if this is what he said, I want it, no matter what it is. If he said this was true, then I wasn't going to listen to somebody that never saw it in their life. And so many people, unfortunately, around church in North America, because you don't want to offend and you want everybody to feel right and you want people to like you. And maybe if I came out here and shot out of a cannon in an Easter suit, you'd be like, oh, he's finally good. No, listen, 
Look, there's nothing I'm going to do for some of you, and that's fine. I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a fun egg hunt in a moment. But the truth is we can't have a form of godliness. We can't do everything it takes right up till the moment where we need breakthrough and freedom and real things in our lives and then be like, oh, man, this don't work. Because he does work. And Paul said, look, if you don't have the resurrection and you don't acknowledge it, it's useless faith. There's no point. It's useless golf gear. Like there's actually, there's no point in looking apart and not really seeing freedom in your life. Because as Christians, when you receive all that God paid for on the cross and hence the resurrection, right? The resurrection is what separates, you know, dead religions from the true God. And it's important that we understand Like, I'm, I'm such a sucker for infomercials. So if, like, I'm up at 2 a.m., I, I got the Gotham Steel. I mean, it doesn't even work. I, I, like, I mean, I don't know. I used to say, who are the dumb people that buy this stuff? You know what I mean? And then I realized I just get pulled in. It's like, whoa, it does that too? It's like my wife. She started out yard sealing and being thrifty, and I was like, wow, you're great. And then I realized that I was accumulating a bunch of things on sale that we didn't even need. And then my, my rule of thumb for infomercials now is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Then beware of a Christianity that lies to you and makes you think you'll never have a hard time. Then beware of, of a Christianity that says, look, every day is going to be a weekend and you don't ever have to have a hard time. It's not true. Jesus said it wasn't true. Because the, you come in thinking you're never going to have pressure and you're never going to have a hard season, and then you're forced to actually have faith. And then you get angry at God, and you're like, well, this isn't even what I thought it was. Well, you're not going to find anything that's going to take away your, everything you'll ever go through because then you wouldn't need faith. The Bible says that we have been empowered to overcome in this life, and this isn't even our home. It's, as beautiful as this structure is, this is just rubbish, Paul said in Philippians, to the surpassing greatness of knowing him and his power. And we can't get attached to these things because the reality is the only way to freedom is Christ. There's no other freedom. And people get upset because, you know, we live in a day where if you're uncomfortable and somebody's angry at you, but freedom doesn't exist. And I'm sorry for many of you that maybe the picture that was presented wasn't what you thought. But I'm going to tell you something. Freedom is a person and his name's Jesus. And because he raised from the dead, you and I can actually live in overcoming life. You never, you know, uh, uh, the newspaper and the TV, because, you know, we had, we had all these AA and NA groups meeting in the church. And, and a few of them couldn't pay and we closed them down. And then all these people started getting angry at me because, you know, people were passing from heroin at the same time that some of the groups closed. But I didn't do it. And they wanted to talk and the day called and said, well, what's your response to the epidemic? And the Action News, they said, well, what's the fine? Let's just hold a press conference in my office. And I pulled all these people together and I said, let me tell you something. First off, I want to apologize to you. I said, because somehow I'm, I, love what, I love all these groups, hence they meet here and I support them. But I said, we're a church and I'm a pastor. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to freedom. So if I misled you into thinking that this was my only mission, it has nothing to do with my mission. The reality is I was on heroin at 14 years old. 
The reality is a lot of the pastors here and people that you see were on drugs at one time. Guess what? We'll never go back, and it's not even a thought anymore. The Bible says whom, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I said to them, if you want to know, we're seeing a 100% success rate. Because, because that which God does lasts forever. Well, you don't understand I tried. Then you just haven't touched him. You just haven't had an encounter. If you're wondering here, well, I know who God is. I have an image of him. You just haven't met him. I was eight years old. My, I had to get, we didn't have a lot of money for school clothes. And my mom took me to Caldor. You remember Caldor was up? And we walked in. I'll never forget. It was like, you know, it, there was a T-shirt of Patrick Ewing. It was like this cool little 80s shirt and this big old Jamaican hanging out on the shirt, this seven-foot whatever guy. And uh, it was on the Knicks, although I'm a pretty big Celtics fan. At 6.30 tonight, I need you to tune in to ABC because the playoff. But so let me <laughs> – Sean, you're crazy. So, but here's the thing. Man, I love this guy. It was somebody I looked up to. I was, I'm not over five foot nothing. But he just, you know, he just had a way to make me think I could be seven foot and overstep everyone. You know what I mean? I could tell you he was born August 25th, 1962 in Kingston, Jamaica. I could tell you he went to Cambridge Line High School in Massachusetts. I could tell you his mother and father's name. I could tell you what he majored in high, in, in high school and college. I could tell you his stats, what he averaged, his weight was 242. I could tell you all these things about him. Right? Because I liked, I mean, I liked him because he was on my t-shirt. But the reality is, if he walked in this room, somebody had to be like, yo, this is Pastor James, this is Patrick Ewing. I don't really know. And the truth is, we can know about someone and we can have a conceptual understanding of Jesus. But if we haven't met him, you're not changed. You can be around a fire and never get touched. You can hear about it and never make a difference in your life. And if you're wondering if you've encountered God, you probably haven't. And that's okay. I mean, listen, there ain't no combination, ain't no weird stuff about to go on. But I'm telling you, we can't fool ourselves because we have useless faith. It's not something that we run to when trials come and we're like, yo, I need to get out of this bind, please. If you get me out of it, I'll give you everything. And then you get out of the bind and you never change your life. And we tap into that well so many times. But we can't have useless faith. Listen, I'm talking to the Christian. Please, you, this ain't for other people. It's for you. If we really live for the things of God, then Easter doesn't have to be the biggest day of the year. I'm talking to the Christian who thinks it's weird that I say Easter. I think it's weird that you want your terminology correct and you think you're free because of it. Nobody believes you. Paul said if there's no resurrection, there's no Christianity. He said, look, he said in Philippians 3, he said, you think you've done great things? He said, I've done better. And he listed out all the righteous things that he did. And he said, if you think that, that your, your good works are getting you in, he goes, no, they're rubbish. I, I, I did all these things good and I laid it all down to know Christ and give everything for him. He actually at one point called all the good things that he did manure, believe it or not. He said, I've realized that all these things I've done didn't really add up to, to who God was. And it's important to understand this isn't about a church. It's not about me. If you never come back, I'm cool with it. I promise. I mean, God is with you. He knows where you are. He can touch your life. But I don't want us to leave and think that we have faith that works if it's useless faith. 
And we sure can't live as if there's no resurrection. He rose from the dead and changed everything forevermore. And I feel this morning that God is, is, is really, you know, for some of you, I feel like he's going to ignite something in your heart today. You know, I, I, uh, I, we purchased a house last May. And in the house had a fireplace, which I thought was cool. As you know, it gets cold. Not right at the moment. I wish I had an ice box covering me. And we bought a fireplace. And I was like, this ain't going to work. I love the idea of a fire, friends. I, these hands will never touch wood. You hear what I'm saying? My money maker's in my, my fat head. It ain't nothing to do with my hands. My hands are silky, Jeremiah. You know what that is. But I said, girl, we in the wrong house because I sure ain't chopping wood. I think at one point my wife was trying to encourage me, so she went and bought like a big wood, like a big metal thing. I'm like, I don't know how the wood would be stacked or where you would get it or how you would find it. It ain't happening here. So you better go find somebody else, some other Paul Bunyan, to come up here and start stacking wood. It, and even if, I, even if you brought me wood, what am I supposed to do with this thing? You think I want to bend over every 10 minutes to try to get this thing? No, we're not. it's not working. So I said, we're going to put a gas fireplace insert in the house. And so called the gas guy, picked it out. It looks real. It even has a little white crisp on it. Everything's there. And I said, this is what we're going to do. So the gas guy comes. He goes to put it in. He's clicking, clicking, clicking. And he's like, poof. And it worked. I was like, this is wonderful. They gave me like a remote. Right, right now I have to bend down and flick the switch on the log. But... I have a remote that we should pressure Kirk to hurry up and install because I need somebody who knows how to do electricity, but it's sitting in my, in my garage, and eventually I can just hit a button on it. And I had friends coming over. It was April. It was hot. I said, I don't care. My friends are going to sweat. They're going to come to my house and know what I'm about. I'm going to hit that fireplace, and I'm going to make the ambiance and set the, set the mood in the house. Everyone's be like, wow, you got a fireplace? So they hooked it up, they, so I, I turned it off. So I hit the switch, it turned off, but there were still some flickers. So I bent over and I, I just, I was like, whoosh, whoosh. I thought it was, my house was gonna catch on fire. So I blew it out, I'm like, that's all right. About 30 minutes before the company comes, I'm like, I'm about to set this thing up. Honey, watch, honey, watch, honey, watch. Just pretend you're just hanging in my house, you don't know what's going on, watch this job. Click, nothing. I was like, what? This lemon? This gas guy, I'm going to rip him on Yelp. I've never did a review on Yelp ever. But I called the guy. I said, look, you put this in. You said it was going to work. You got it working. And now it's not working. And I said, you need to come fix this. I got company coming in 30 minutes. I only hosted this party so they could see my fireplace. There ain't no other reason I want these people in my house right now. So you better get over here and put this fireplace on so I can look like I have something going on in here just moved in. We didn't even have things hung. I just wanted you to see my fireplace. So the guy runs over and he, and he looks and he's like, the pilot light is out. I don't know what you're saying, but can you please put my fire on? Because I got company coming now. It's about 10 minutes, bro. You need to hurry up. Do whatever you got to do down here. And he's laughing at me. Friends, it was not funny at the moment. I felt like he robbed me gets back down there and he's clinking and clacking and the thing lights and I'm like, don't even touch it now. I got friends coming in seven minutes. And he 
shuts it off and the thing and it goes down to like this long blue flame. I'm like, there's the torch. I'm like, blow it out, bro. I don't, you're not going to burn my house down when I'm not here. And I know you think I'm dumb. Listen, I'm ideal. He said, you have to keep this on because it's the point of ignition. If this is always burning, then at any moment you can just catch the fire on this thing. You know what happens for many of us? We have good intentions. There's times in life we mean well, you know, we really want to do it. Talking about serving God, giving all, surrendering everything that we want. And there's a moment that we feel right about it, and it's like a fire's inside of us. Man, I do want you, God. I do want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to, you know, serve God. And then it's like the minute that fire goes out, you're just back to cold, man, to useless faith. Faith isn't a crazy thing. It's just belief, period. You could go down to any bar in the city you came from, and some weirdo is going to have faith. It might be faith in a UFO. It might be faith that the world is Swiss cheese. He might be faith that, you know, he doesn't want to live anymore because of Korea. Whatever weird conspiracy dude you work with has faith in something. It's just not the right thing. And for some of us, God just wants to ignite that pilot light again. God just wants to start a, a little light inside of you. Again, this is a youth thing. It's not, this isn't a public thing. There's nothing I could even do this morning because it's already been done. But we live in a day where, you know, we were in, we were in, uh, um, where was I? Norwalk on Friday night. This big youth event. <laughs> lights are off except strobe lights it's all this hip hop stuff and, and, I mean it was just crazy and I just started speaking about who Jesus really is and somebody came up to me and he said you know I've, I've, I've lived for so long I've heard it all and I realized that because I've seen a bad example of Christ in other people that I've actually closed him out of my life and he said, hearing you talk about Jesus makes me want to just, and here's what he said to me. Here's what, flip my lid. Here's what he said. I feel like everyone says to me, come as you are. But then when I get close to Jesus, he says, just give it all to me. And he says, I, I, when I get close to the Lord, I don't even want these things. I don't want to live with anxiety and anger and all the things that wear me down in life. It's like, it's pointless to me. I just want what God has. And this morning, I feel the same way. It's not about a church. It's not about an organ. I promise, I really mean this. It's about you meeting him and allowing your life to be transformed. Can we stand this morning? We're about to pray. We're going to move into the egg hunt and all that in a moment. But I just want to pray for you. I feel heaven this morning. I feel heaven this morning. I feel... that we have every day what we're going to wear come on some, some of y'all made better choices than others come on somebody MJ had the choice to wear that hat did you just laugh? that's awesome but then there's defining moments in life in some of us I'm going to just tell you flat out you're at a defining moment in life some of you can't go on 
the way you've been living. Some of you can't go on the rest of the year the way this past year's been. And I'm telling you, God's going to give you freedom. And he's going to touch your heart. Here's what I want to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to make a general prayer in a moment, and then we're going to be done and get ready to do our Easter egg hunt and all the 6,000 eggs we have. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you're here for whatever reason, and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I just want you to pray for me this morning in your general prayer because I want that light lit again in my heart. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you knew him and haven't walked with him in a while. But, but here's what I want you to do. It's not even a big, bold step. I don't want anyone looking around the room. If you want me to pray for you in a moment in my general prayer, just slip your hand up and put it back down for me. If that's you, I see it, I see it. You can put your hand down. I see your hands. I see it, I see it. Anyone else? I see them. I see them. I just, it's just a sign to the Lord in you. You can put them down. I see it. I love the honesty. I love the openness in this room. Anybody else? That's it. I'm about to make a general prayer. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. You got it. I see it. I love the honesty. Come on. I see your hand back there. Anybody else? I see it. Anybody? I see him. I see him. Come on. God sees your hand. So do I. I see it. Anyone else? I just, before we stop, I see your hand, God. Come on. That's awesome. Anybody else? There's no pressure. That's it. I see your hand. Wonderful. I see him. Yeah. Look, God's looking at your hands. Anyone else? We're about to pray and you're about to lift your head. I just want to give anyone one more opportunity. Let's lift our heads and open our eyes. Here's what I want to do. This is how Christianity works, man. It's not somebody calling you out and making you forced into this or that. Man, none of that will work. You know what's going to work? You raising your hand, something happening in your heart this morning, me praying for you and you just leaving here differently with your eyes open. God sees it. Look, don't worry about the bigger picture, man. You need to be you right now. And I believe the Lord's going to ignite a fire in you and start something in your heart that's going to make a difference. It's just that one step of even raising your hand. I believe God will meet you where you are to see a breakthrough in your life. You don't got to be your mother's Christian or somebody else's believer. You just be you. God wants you the way you are. You don't need to be wired like me. You don't know. You be you and God's going to touch the world through your life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Man, probably 30 plus hands that have went up in this room this morning. I thank you, God, for a new relationship being established. I cancel every lie of the enemy over their lives. I break every contract. Satan, no longer can you have authority over their mind and their situation. And I just release the love of God in your life. The real relationship with Jesus in your life. That even that one moment of saying, man, I just... You know, the thief's on the cross. He says, remember me, and he went to heaven. So God, every hand in this place, Lord, meet them where they are. Manifest your power and your presence in their life. That we are not aligned with a church or a minister, but you. Jesus, we long to see you. God, I pray you would encounter every heart. And I pray for their families, and I pray for the tough situations they're facing. And I thank you for freedom. And I thank you that fear can no longer have a hold on their minds again. In the name of Jesus, I feel freedom in this place. God, I pray that that new beginning, those seeds would never die. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, let me say this to you. Those of you that raised your hand, there was some honesty, man. God, I mean, some real heart decisions. 
If somebody brought you, maybe touch base with them if you feel like you can. If they haven't, if you don't have anyone, reach out to the church. I'll touch, I'll help you. But it's important to just get connected with people that are healthier than you. Come on now. I used to do this on Friday. I used to do this on Saturday. Now I just try to put more positive people in my life. You follow me. It was important that somebody that, that has encouragement is around you to help you. I would, it seems so basic. Take a minute a day and just talk to God. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to use language no one understands. Just talk to him. Communicate to him. And then it'll lead on to other things. Obviously, it's good, healthy to find a church, get plugged in. But I feel like God did something so fresh in your heart this morning that you're going to see the results of it. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord.